Buckle that belt. The neighbor is already threatening to call the cops. He's pissed. If you get anxious, man, you just pop these little guys. People out here looking like Paul Feinbaum trying to tell us what to do with our hair. In my overserved state, I went to the wrong house. No, it was the right house. Okay. Dive bar means the beer is cold, the drinks aren't too expensive, and the hamburgers are great. They are a unified front in doing their very best to keep me between the proverbial navigational beacons. Hey y'all, welcome to the Marty Smith Podcast. It is the week of, what, the 21st of June, I think. Yep. Uh, boys, uh, first of all, hello. I hope y'all are doing all right. We got Wes here, we got Howdy. Travis here. Travis is completely checked out today. He's useless. Um, Ohio State season tickets go on sale here in about 25 minutes or so. So Travis is uh, passionately monitoring the clock. Uh, Wes and I are going to try to. Yeah, Travis uh, asked to host it in the like software that we use, and I'm beginning to realize that was a terrible idea. Terrible decision because you and I will probably do 20 minutes of this podcast and nobody will ever hear it because Travis will have already turned it off. Well, fellas, I am. Uh, I want to say this before we get started into my weekend, which was a hell of a weekend. I am at Ocean City Coffee. All right, I'm here in Ocean City, New Jersey, where my summer place is, Laney's hometown. My family spends our entire summers here every year. We love it. It's a really cool, quaint little town. It's a dry town. You can't buy a cold beer in town. It can't be that good of a town. You can. Everybody's drinking all the time. I mean, it's the it's the most amazing thing. And everybody's like <clears throat> on bikes. Like it's just like a really cool, quaint family, very family centric beach town. And we love it so much. And the Awesome folks here at Ocean City Coffee welcome me here to host the podcast all summer long so that I don't have to do it in my house, uh, which is about as big as my laptop computer. And uh, therefore, I mean, the, the, the ambient noise I hear here with the coffee grinding and all that, you guys might hear that as we're making our way through the show, but just roll with it because I kind of think it's cool. I think it's really authentic and really cool. Now. Speaking of authentic, Laney and I, uh, my, I'm a little froggy because Laney and I spent uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the Barefoot Music Fest down in Wildwood, which is like 30, 35 miles south of where we are, right where I am right now. And on Thursday night, we saw Cole Swindell, uh, my boy. Uh, he killed it, man. He's such a good dude. And how about this, fellas? On Thursday night, as Cole Swindell is uh, performing his set, he played You Should Be Here. If y'all know that song, it's about losing his daddy and all of the amazing life milestones that Cole is experiencing at this point in his life, or certainly uh, at this point in his life. But when he wrote the song, he was on this crazy tra- trajectory, and he's still on it. has an awesome new record out, which, by the way, if y'all haven't gotten it, make sure you check it out. Well, in the middle of You Should Be Here, Cole says my name to the whole crowd and I'm sitting there like what it that song he and I have bonded so deeply over losing our fathers way too early and he lost his dad way too early I lost my dad way too early and we have had so many conversations of tremendous depth together about the void that comes with that and how when you experience things in your life you might have a 
You might he might have a number one song, or he might have written the song that he thinks is the best song he's ever written, and he just wants to pick up the phone and call his dad. I still feel that way every year at the Masters. I still feel that way every single year when I walk onto the football field at the national championship. I want to call my daddy. And so, you know, you should be here for these amazing milestones in our lives, and they're gone. And so for him to take a moment during his set and say, hey, y'all, my buddy Marty Smith is here tonight. You guys may know his work from ESPN, College Game Day. Uh, this song means a lot to him, and this song means a lot to me. And then he, like, goes into the chorus, and I can't, like, instant waterworks. I mean, it was an amazing moment for me. And what an amazing friend to, in the middle of that, think about uh, even saying that. So I, I wanted him to hear it. I've texted him about it already, but I can't wait to, to talk to him about that and why he chose to do it. But So he played Thursday night, and then Chief played Friday night, okay? Boys, I got drunk as Cooter Brown. I was tuned up big time. And Shocker. Eric absolutely lit that joint on fire. It was an amazing set. And it's the second. So I, Laney and I had just seen Morgan Wallen and Eric play the previous Saturday night. And y'all already know that story from the, uh, you know, watching the my, my girl's dance recital like this right here through, through these exact sunglasses sitting in the front row. Uh, Eric absolutely slayed. We had an absolute blast. My whole family got to meet him. I mean, there was 10 of us there. All of Laney's siblings had the opportunity to meet him. They took a picture. They were on cloud nine. And that was really fun. Uh, and then Saturday night, uh, FGL played. And I'll be up. Boys, they killed it. They absolutely killed it. And they don't have a whole lot of shows left together. And so... That place was packed out, and then Sunday night was Aldine, and it was awesome. I mean, it was awesome. There was probably, I don't know, this is a guesstimate, but there was probably 35,000 people there, I'm guessing, Sunday night. And Jason killed it like always. I mean, when you have catalogs like Eric has, like FGL has, like Aldine has, I mean, it's hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. And while the experience is extremely different between Eric Church and Florida Georgia Line, uh, the hits are the hits, and people are just raging. I mean, and the folks in New Jersey showed out. And so Friday night and Sunday night, I was pretty – I drove Saturday night. I didn't have a single beer on Saturday night because I was still hungover from Friday night. And we just had an absolute blast. And I will tell you guys – the promoter and the organizers of that Barefoot Music Festival are friends of mine from Charlotte. Bob Durkin and DJ Stout are Charlotte staples. They have been, been friends of mine for years and years and years. Is his name Bob DJ or, or is he a DJ? Um, his name is DJ. Okay. DJ um, Stout sounds like a craft beer. It does. Uh, DJ yeah, I mean, or DJ something. Stout would be a great DJ name, wouldn't yeah. it? Ladies and gentlemen, DJ Stout. Wiki, 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 wiki. <laughs> And so, anyway, Durkin and, uh, and DJ did a phenomenal job. They got great artists to come there and perform. Um, the, uh, they sold so many hoodies on Saturday night. It was freezing cold Saturday night for FGL. It was like 50 degrees outside and windy. We were on the beach. I mean, the thing is on the beach. And so there were people wearing three hoodies. I mean, they had like triple XL was all that was left in these little petite 
young ladies are wearing triple XL. They don't care because uh, it was so cold outside. But amazing experience. Kudos to those guys. They made a fortune this weekend. Great business model and, uh, and, and did a great job. And I can't wait to see how it continues to grow. I have a question for you now. Has Laney's family seen you at an Eric Church concert before? Or was this for well, some they didn't of them see like- me at this one. A couple of them have. A couple of them have seen me at a Chief Show. Laney's sister, Leah, that is her oldest sister. There are six Kokoza kids, all right? Don, Laney, Mikey, Leah, Bethy, Andy, all right? Leah and her husband, Sean, have gone to many shows with Laney and me because they're the only two until very recently who liked his music. The other ones didn't weren't they like we were try, we've been trying to tell them I've known Eric Church since 2000. Yeah, I, I was wondering about the clientele fan base up in Jersey and you know the the pull for a country festival. There's country people everywhere, Wes. You no, gotta I, I don't this. doubt I don't doubt that. Um, but I was curious, you know, it's not not necessarily the the you know ground zero of of huge country fans. Correct. Uh, they came out and they showed out, man. Uh, and, I mean, it was it, all week long. Like, those people that I just mentioned to you were just the headliners. I mean, Ernest was here. I mean, there, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of people to watch Ernest play what is called the Jim Beam stage. The main stage was sponsored by Miller Lite. And then the secondary stage was sponsored by Jim Beam. And so Ernest played that secondary stage at, like, I don't know, 4.30 in the afternoon. And Ernest, for those of you guys who don't know, is also blowing up. He's part of the Morgan Wallen Mafia. It's, it's, it's Ernest, it's Morgan, and it's Hardy. And those guys wrote that record together. I mean, all of y'all have heard Flower Shops and all the stuff. And so, so many fans showed out for Ernest. He probably should have been on the main stage. And will be next year. That tells no you what question. kind of lineup they had, though, if he's on the secondary stage. Oh, no doubt. I mean, Chris Jansen was there. I mean, all right, so so thir- or Saturday night, Saturday night, we're on our way there. And, again, like I'm just drinking water all night. I didn't touch a single beverage that whole night. That's a shame. And so Lane, we get there, and we get there at probably like 7.45 or 8 o'clock, and Walker Hayes – is um, singing, he's leading into FGL, Walker Hayes is. He's Roll Tide. He loves him from Roll Tide now. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I met Walker like years and years and years and years ago at a Waffle House in Tallahassee, Florida. And so I am like, well, I don't want to bother this guy, but the girls really wanted to meet Walker because they like his whole fancy like and whatever he's doing on TikTok and how he engages, brings his family, and they just think he's like the coolest dad, and they love his work and all that stuff. And I'm like, y'all, I don't want to bother him. He's playing in 30 minutes. He don't want to deal with our crap. Well, I texted, and uh, I hit up my boy Kerwin Lonzo, who used to be the SID at Florida State. Kerwin is now uh, one of the media uh, media folks for PGA of America, and Kerwin and I have been buddies for years and years and years. And I knew Kerwin knew Walker really well. So I'm like, hey, Kay, I need you to connect me with with Walker. I got to bother him. The girls want to meet him. So out of nowhere, I get this text from, hey, hey, boss, where you at? And I was like, new phone, who dis? And it was was Walker. And he's like, come on, man, we're going to come get you right now. I'm like, dude, you ain't got time for this BS. 
And sure enough, the girls got to meet him. They got to talk through it with him and the whole thing. They got their photograph, and so everybody was happy. See, that's smart. And keep keep the keep the wife yeah. happy. Keep the in-laws happy. That's that is a savvy that's play by you. Dude. It's everything, man. And so they were all stoked. And and then Al Dean, Jason was amazing to us. He let us go backstage and, and, and on the stage during his performance. And, like, my brother-in-law, Mike, had never – huge music guy. He's just getting into country. He'd never done that before. So he was just, like, awestruck to be back there. So it was just a really cool experience. And, anyway, back to them seeing me at Chief. They did not see me at Chief because I stayed on the stage. I – I did not go back to where they were, and I sent them all the hell out of there. Like, y'all got your – see ya. And so I stayed backstage and raised – Saw Walker Hayes, now get the hell out of here. All manner. Those are actually different nights. And anyway uh, – I'm losing it was an track. experience. We had a ball, man. How many shots of Jack? Well, it was Jim Beam, so there was a little bit of a conflict of interest, it sounds like, with well, the Jim Beam the, and Jack Daniels rivalry going on. So – so Bob, my buddy Bob Durkin, who, again, was the promoter of the, of the festival, they had, um, I mean, they had everything you could have except for Jack Daniels. <laughs> and so, like, I was drinking Maker's Mark and all this other stuff, and it was hilarious when, when Eric arrived at the, uh, at the venue. I was like, listen, Hoss, I'm going to need some Jack Daniels, please. Yeah. Like, I'm, uh, I have, I have had all this other stuff, and I'm, I'm, uh, it's all well and good, but I need, I need the real deal, Holyfield. I, I'm sure we talked about this on the show before, but I think the greatest taste in the world is Jack and Coke. And now, did y'all see they put it in a can? Yeah, they're finally they just taking finally that one step out. To put Don't Jack even have the mix yep. in a can, dude. It's over for me. It's a wrap. I don't know what I'm going to do. You're going to be walking into a pregame college football and accidentally pick up one of those Coke cans. Give me oh, tuned up right before that. kickoff. That could be dangerous. Right. You could you think about yeah, that. Yeah, you, you put those cold it. cans in the cooler. You know, the, the right tailgates have the coolers for the adults and the coolers for the kids or the water coolers or whatever. Someone's going to get in trouble by accidentally letting a couple of those slip in the kids' cooler this, this fall. Y'all ever grab a drink and, like, have it in your car and you thought you grabbed a pop, but it wasn't a pop? That's what's going to happen with these Jack and Cokes, I think. Like a beer or a Jack yeah. and Coke? No, like, you, you thought you grabbed, like, a pop, but it was, like, a beer that looked like it. You didn't notice it because they looked so similar. And you open it up and you're like, oh, this, is, this isn't what I thought No, I but, grabbing. you know, some of these craft beer cans, some of these craft beer cans don't even look like beers. They look like you know, just like sprites or something, because they don't they don't have that iconic like blue can like so many like Bud Lights or, or Miller Lights. You know, that's you're a one cop. of the great parts of the experience, in my opinion. I love the cans, man. What is? Well, that's your whole deal. Yeah. What cans y'all got? What cans you got? My contact uh, lens just fell out. Uh, they're recording the show. Can't even see. What, Travis? Well, I, was, I, was, I have a question. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, who is an artist you want to see but haven't seen? Um, an artist I want to see but have not seen. Haven't seen. Well, I'm trying to think of the ones that aren't dead. Um, I've never seen Eric Church. I don't think there's any that I haven't seen that I want to see. Um, 
I can't think of them. I saw Eric by myself, and it was honestly one of the most fun times I've ever had in my life. Like, and I didn't go with friends, or like I couldn't find any friends that you know were where did you see him? Church fans uh, up in Connecticut. And so I went by myself, had floor seats, and I and it was a blast. And so I, I recommend the next time. Wes, you lost a contact. I think Wes. It like rolled us. up. It like rolled up in the top of my eye. Do I need you to just take over up? for a minute while you go remedy the situation? Yeah, you can go fix it, brother. Yeah, I right think Wes, Wes might die. Go ahead, go go fix it. While while actually while Wes is gone, maybe we should just tell everybody who we have as our guest today. Um, a lot of you guys who are fans of this podcast are huge fans of guys like Luke Combs, huge fans of guys like Chris Stapleton. Just tremendous vocal talents who also write their own work. And we have one of those same guys on the show today, Larry Fleet, whose song, That's Where I Find God, is an absolute monster. Um, Working man, he has so many amazing songs that came straight from his soul and that have really moved me. He's somebody that is on heavy rotation for me right now. He just put out a song a few days back called Having a Girl. And for guys like myself, Wes, who are girl dads, it is just tremendous. And y'all are going to love this interview. Larry is funny. He is witty. He's super, super, super quick and inspirational, man, because this is a guy who you're going to learn about how he got to the position that he is in now as world-class singer-songwriter. But it was a hell of a road for him, man. It was not, I'm going to move to Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm going to just hit. It is quite a story, and you guys are going to love it. So here is singer-songwriter Larry Fleet on the Marty Smith Podcast. And as we said, we are super grateful and pumped to be joined by my man larry fleet um i mean i was gonna start with music but i guess the hell with that larry just told us right before we came on that he has uh, recently in, in the last few minutes returned home from uh the mecca of all yeah. things hillbilly uh what is your order when you go to the waffle house well i'm a bit of a health nut these days so i went for the uh the hash brown bowl with uh cheese eggs and uh bacon in it <laughs> and uh, my boy Waylon, he loves that place. So we we go. He gets the uh, the kids waffle and sausage. So we have a thing, you know. Slam a couple of glasses of orange juice and enjoy a little Waffle House in the morning. You not a coffee guy? Oh, I, I done had a couple cups before I got there. So <laughs> I, 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 oh. <laughs> there's nothing like the post Waffle House dip that I see you have in. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> If you weren't eating healthy, what would your order be? Oh, well, it used to be the, what was it, the Texas bacon, egg, and cheese. Uh, I guess that's what it's called, Texas bacon, egg, and cheese with hash browns, double double order hash browns covered in chunked. And uh, I actually get, I get hash browns steamed now. It's kind of, I know. What is that? Like I don't know. It's, it's like they steam them. Sounds European. They steam them, they don't fry them. Exactly. Well, it kind of turns out almost like a mashed potato. You know, it's real soft. So my old teeth at my old age, I guess, is getting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I was going to have a whole conversation here about how uh, listening to Larry sing country music is somewhat of a religious experience, but him having steamed hash browns is actually sacrilegious. <laughs> so we're, well, we got some stuff we got to work through here. It's like a therapy session all of a sudden. I, know. I went one time a, a while back, and I remember I was on a kick or something, and a girl told me, I said, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was looking for something to eat. And she was like, well, you ought to get steamed hash browns. It's healthier. I don't know if it's any healthier or not, but I like the way it tastes. <laughs> well, uh, I will tell you, brother, um, for, for those of you watching or listening who have not had the opportunity yet to listen to what Larry does and watch how he does it, there are very few people who have the ability to have the spiritual vulnerability in the delivery and the ability to convey such a strong and positive and permanent emotion the way that you do, brother. So like, how, how did that happen? How did music enter your sphere in, in your life? Uh, music came about real early for me, and, and it actually was pretty much what you said there. We, we did, I think I started playing when I was five or six, and we played gospel music. And so it was uh, after church, we would sit around and, and pick guitar. And my cousin played fiddle. My great uncle would play just whatever had strings on it. And uh, none of us really had any lessons. We just kind of picked it up and learned it on our own. And uh, that's what it was. And, and we'd sing old gospel songs. And so I started there. And then to where I'm at now, I kind of learned to be just as honest as I could um, when I write songs and when I sing things. And if I'm honest about it, then I'm going to believe it more when, I, when I'm when i singing it. And then I, it's going to come across like that to other people. They're going to believe what I'm singing about. So, you know, a while back, I used to try to write songs for other people to whatever I thought the radio wanted. But I kind of just quit doing that. I was just tired of doing it. And I just want to write something good. And what I, where I, anyways, what I would listen to. And so I kind of focused in on that and uh, tried to be real, real honest. And when I wrote Working Man and Where I Find God and stuff like that, it just, that's kind of, I live that stuff. And I figured somebody else does too, so they'll, they'll get it, you know. And is that the moment that it all changed? Because so many writers go through the exact same conundrum and conflict that you just talked about. I want to write what's on the radio so that I can get a cut or so yeah. that somebody will maybe put me on the radio, but that is not who I am in my soul. Yeah. Is that when it all changed? That's exactly when it changed. Uh, yeah, because as a songwriter, you, you make money whenever somebody records your song. And so you and you really make money when you get it on the radio. Like if you get a hit, that's, that's how you make a living. Well. You know, I, I, I sang demos and I wrote these songs and I was doing my thing and, and trying to write whatever I thought somebody else wanted, which usually was, you know, nothing against what's on the radio and stuff. It's just a lot of times it's the same thing that's kind of repeated. And I don't necessarily relate to everything. I don't I don't drink anymore, you know. So, you know, the party getting drunk songs, like, I don't really relate to that, you know. And uh, I so I kind of wanted to write something different that I would listen to. And that's, that's when it changed it. I mean, like we said, it, I just, I don't know. I want it to be honest and I want it to come across. I want to, I want to listen to my own music. You know, like I would want to listen to it. If I, if I didn't write the song, that's what I would want to hear. 
So that's kind of what I focus on. I, I'm a big guy on finding a hook, you know, like the, uh, I want to land a hook to where you're, you're singing a song and all of a sudden you get to that, that hook and you, that's where I find God or whatever. And it's like, Oh, got me. So I'm a big guy on that. And so that's kind of the style I write, just being honest and finding a good hook and, and it's worked out and it's working pretty good right now. Y'all, I want to take just a minute to share with you about Moultrie. They have signed on to be a partner of the Marty Smith podcast and we are beyond thrilled. I grew up loving the outdoors. Uh, if there's, if there's two things I wish I had more time to do, it is learn how to play golf. I'm still learning that, but also spend more time in the outdoors, bow hunting. I'd love to get out there more. Certainly uh, not easy during football season when we're working so much, but I love to be outside, whether it's hunting, whether it's fishing, whether it's just sitting out and enjoying the outdoors. And for more than 35 years, you guys, Moultrie has pioneered the game management category. Today, Moultrie is one of the best-selling brands of game cameras and feeders in the world, and it continues to innovate with new technology that hunters and land managers rely on. Defined by the foundations of reliability and ease of use, Moultrie products are always field tested and designed for hunters by hunters. I love that. Hunters design these cameras and y'all, they're awesome. I've now set up some in my backyard in Charlotte so that I can see what's going on back there. One thing about living on the lake, man, uh, there's all kind of stuff, other crazy birds and hawks and all kind of snakes and critters everywhere. So. I just love to see what's going on back there. And Moultrie's field cameras are just awesome. I mean, they are so cool. They combine forward-thinking innovation with time-tested practicality. Moultrie consistently demonstrates what it means to be the most trusted name in game management. And, and real quick about those cameras. They're the Micro 42 and the Micro 42i. There's also the Micro 32i. They fit in the palm of your hand. I mean, they're really small. They're they're really small and compact, but they cover every single trail camera need that you have. They're compact, convenient, and easy to conceal. Go get yours right now at MoultrieFeeders.com. That's M-O-U-L-T-R-I-E, Feeders.com, MoultrieFeeders.com. So grateful that Moultrie is on board with us. Go check it out. I heard... Uh... Parker McCollum in an interview recently giving advice to a young songwriter that wanted to go to Nashville. And he said, if you want to go there, you need to know who you are before you get there. You can't figure it out along the way. Do you feel like that was your experience? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's a, that's a thing going on right now is in the, in a world we're in, it's like people want to be famous. You know, you want to be rich, you want to be famous and, I always said I'd rather be rich than famous any day. Uh, but a lot of times it's the other way around. People want to be noticed for what they're doing. And I could, for me, I could care less. But that is, I think, a lot of what people do is they come to town and they'll do whatever it takes to give them some fame or whatever. And uh, I think it's what's helped me is I don't necessarily – it kind of makes me uncomfortable when people come up to me and, uh, you know – I don't know how to say it, but it's, you know, they're real, they're real nice and they're, they're complimentary of me and stuff, but it, sometimes they'll make me feel a little uncomfortable. I just, I like, I'm, I've been very blessed to be able to write songs and play them and make money that way. But I knew who I was coming in and that's kind of what has helped me 
because there's so many people like me. I mean, just, I don't know, probably five years ago, I was pouring concrete for a living. And uh, so I wrote songs about that. And when I wrote Working Man, which has been a good one for me, it was originally called Concrete Man. Then I changed it to Working Man because <laughs> I was like, there's only so many concrete men out there, you know? Concrete Man sounds like a Marvel superhero. <laughs> I know, right? Sounds pretty cool. Uh, but so when I started really focusing in on who I was and what I wanted to do, that's when it worked. And I think that that's a great Parker's. That was some good uh, advice because if you know who you are, and I'm giving that same advice too, but if you know who you are coming in, you kind of stick with it. And you can be proud if, if it works. Uh, you can be proud of what you're doing. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's a pretty true statement from him. Why'd you quit drinking? Well, honestly, it was just kind of, I got tired of it. And uh, it for me, it, it didn't didn't do anything for me and I couldn't act right, you know, and uh, every, everybody's always paying attention to you. And not that I had to go to rehab or anything. It was just, I just kind of give it up and uh, having kids and, you know, everything else that just between having kids and wanting to set a good example. And also uh, up until this year, I got my own bus and my own driver. So I drove my own bus uh, for the past few years. So you can't be drinking driving a bus. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just kind of, I, I started slacking off when I was driving so much. And then I, I noticed I felt way better and like who I was when I went and drinking. I admire it. I admire it a ton. Yeah, I think about same. it all the time. You know, you were talking about concrete and rebar and everything that you did on the construction jobs before, you know, you, you decided to hang it up and, and chase songwriting and, and singing full time. How do you carry that guy who was pouring that concrete with you every day now? Well, it, I think it's still in my DNA. I mean, my dad, he's he still runs Nashville Ready Mix. So he's working concrete. My brother worked concrete. My granddaddy retired from concrete. So it's Family just business. Kind of, it is. It's, it's all in us. And uh, I don't know. I, I end up relating to the worker more than, you know, the blue collar worker than I do anybody. And so a lot of times when I go out to shows and stuff, um, you know, I'll tell these stories about how songs come along. And it's always fun because at the end of the night, some old boy comes up every night. He's like, I'm a third generation concrete worker. And it's like, <laughs> all right. So then we'll, we'll be talking about pouring a slab or something, you know. And I just kind of relate to them. And when I write songs, you know, every week I, I'm writing something that is how a, a blue collar working man would, would talk. And it's it's more of a, a simple thing. You don't have to try to be so elaborate with it sometimes. It's just it's a simple way of life. But I think that the working man has a is, is a pride there. They're, they're proud of what they do. And I think they should be. And I'm proud of what I do, and I'm proud of where I come from. So uh, I just carry that with me, and I, and I still think like a working man. And my wife gets on to me all the time. She's like, you ain't got time to be out here pouring a slab in the yard. But I, I still think I, I need to do it, you know, even though I'm gone all the time. She's like, just pay somebody to do it, you know. And I'm like, well, I can do that. And so that's, that's, I guess it's just how my brain works. You know? Got to do it yourself, man. I say yep. all the time, Larry, that – and I, I actually went to a – I was talking about it earlier in the show before you came on. I went to a, one of the festivals this weekend. I went four straight nights. Now, you talk about a commitment, son. You go to a festival for four straight nights and listen to country music, 
you either need to be committed or you're way too committed, one of the two. But uh, you yeah. know, I was talking to Wyatt Durrett while I was there, and obviously a phenomenal songwriter who's had a tremendous impact on my life, whether that's Colder Weather, whether that's Highway 20 Ride, whether it's Beautiful Crazy, all the thing, amazing songs that he has written. I think there are certain professions that can save a life. Doctors can, EMTs can, first responders, firemen, etc. right? Songwriters can mm-hmm. too. And you're one of those guys that's writing these songs that some of those old boys who are out there just killing themselves to keep the lights on and food in their boys and their families' bellies can yep. go, okay, wait a minute, there is a damn guy out there who is actually narrating my life. Maybe I'm not alone. How many of them mm-hmm. say that to you? All of us. Get on YouTube and look at the comments, you know, on, on where I find God or, or working, man. Like I said, those are my two ones that have really stood out and kind of helped my career out. But, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I remember when I was a kid hearing a song, especially when I was in high school, you know, you, you're running around, you know, you get your driver's license, you're riding around listening to, um, Red Dirt Road, you know, remember Brooks and Dunn? That Red Dirt Road. And I, I thought, man, this song's about me. I'm riding around. Like, so you start feeling like somebody wrote that for you. And I love that, you know. And I love that people come up to me and they'll tell me about, you know, where I find God, how it uh, changed their life and whatever. I mean, it, it goes from the lowest of low to the highest of high in that one song for, um, for people and, and they relate to it and it makes me feel good because you're right that is that's kind of our job as a songwriter and i tell people that a lot i'm like our job is to is to write people's stories you know what i mean and i write my my story which ends up being a lot of other people's story too but i love it and i love the the uh feedback i get from it especially working man you know it starts off with 4 a.m lord don't come way too soon it's talking about a concrete guy going to work at four o'clock morning and so many people hit me up and they're like, man, I listen to that every single morning when I'm driving to work. And it kind of gets them through the day. But my thing was, I said, I don't I don't ever want to make it seem like poor, poor, pitiful me for having to work. Because the, the everyday guy that's out there busting his butt, the blue-collar man, he's proud of having a job and being able to support his family. So I always try to glorify the working man and because uh, that's what makes the world go around. And – they they got that pride too, you know. Like it's a it's a thing. Like their their back hurts when they come home, and and they need that song to kind of push them on through the day. And I'm glad I got to be a part of it and and uh, help people out, you know, just get through the day because we all need that. So. That's so cool, man. It's like their pregame music, working man, getting up at <laughs> yeah. four a.m. I love that song. Yeah. It's so real uh, and just authentic. Um, who are you listening to right now? What What are you playing in your uh, playlist? Well, a lot of different people. I mean, I've been on the road with Morgan Wallen, so I've heard his songs every night, and I've gotten gotten used to him. So, I mean, I listen to him. I listen to uh, a lot of older stuff. I, I like Merle Haggard, so I listen to Merle Haggard a lot and uh, Willie Nelson and stuff like that. But um, – if I really want to feel good, I need me some good feel good stuff. I listen to uh, Otis Redding and Tim Tate. I like Ray Charles a whole lot, so I listen to Ray Charles a lot. Um, and some there's some newer people out there too that uh, I've been kind of getting into some Texas stuff, and I'm all over the place though, man. I, 
I go from Nora Jones to Willie Nelson to whatever, you know? So it's, I got like the Spotify playlist where it just like puts stuff together for you. I pretty much turn it on. And like I said, it's Hank Jr. to Nora Jones or whatever. So speaking of Willie Nelson, I can't imagine what it must have been like the first time that he said, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to bring a friend of mine up here, sing a couple songs with me. Mm -hmm. I, I want you to walk us step by step walking on that stage with somebody that you consider a hero and so do so many millions of the rest of us yeah. someone who's had such an indelible mark on our life uh, lives through his words uh willie nelson invites you up on stage to perform with him what yeah. was that like that's pretty cool. i didn't know he actually knew my full name so uh that was a, that was a good start because <clears throat> uh he's you know he's been around forever and met a lot of people so uh just standing there well when i come off the stage the very first night i played with him i come off the stage and he was standing there and he said hey Larry, and he's about uh you know i'm six two he comes up to you know yeah. nipple height there you know and uh, <laughs> he's like he's like hey man uh that was real good larry i said well, thank you man i appreciate that and we talked and shook hands and he said why don't you come out with me and sing tonight i said okay he said uh, let's do some gospel songs i said well i know a few of them he said, all right, I'll see you out there, and uh, and walked off. And so I asked his people, I said, what song are we going to sing? I'd like to at least kind of know what I'm getting into. They said, we never know, but you'll figure it out. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so singing harmony with uh, Willie Nelson is, is hard to do, especially when you don't even know the song. But uh, luckily, whenever he, he got up there and he, he said, I'm going to get my buddy Larry Fleet out here. And I was like, my he manager, my, he I was like, he knows my name. And uh, <laughs> so I walk out and first night we, we nailed it. It was fun. And we played and, and sang a couple old gospel songs. Well, the next night we did it again. And uh, the next night he called me out. Well, I, I got a little nerve up because I was like, I know what we're getting into. And I know these songs. And he would always sing like the first verse and chorus of uh, With a Circle Being Broken. And then we go into I'll Fly Away. So about that third second third night whatever it was i got got my nerve up and he went to kick off into i'll fly away so he sings the first verse course of uh will the circle be unbroken well, i know the second part is undertaker undertaker and i was like i'm gonna get it you know so i kicked <laughs> off into it and it completely caught everybody off guard the band willie everybody willie looked at me like big eyes like and i <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I just pissed off Willie Nelson. I'm the very first person in the country to piss off Willie Nelson. So I went like that. He said, all right, get it, boy. And I just went for it, and it worked out good. We, we played a lot of shows since then. You know how fun, kids though. pretend they're in the Super Bowl when they're in their yard throwing footballs, and they grow up, and they never imagine they do it in real life? Could you have ever imagined when you're playing gospel songs with your uncle, your cousins, one day you'd be doing it with Willie? Hey, uh, that was that was like the pinnacle, and that kind of happened early in my career. You know, coming back into I, for a long time, I had played and I wrote songs and did different things, and it didn't work out. And that's why I kind of quit for quite a few years and went back to work. And then, you know, I, I met Jake Owen one night, and he's the one that kind of got me back into it. And then the second person took me out was Willie, and. I remember calling my mama because my mama was like, she used to love Willie Nelson, still does. And that's, 
I used to listen to her play Willie Nelson songs, and she told me about going to concerts, Willie Nelson concerts, when she was like a teenager. And uh, so it was pretty cool. And I was like, you ain't gonna believe this, you know? Like I'm, I'm out here with Willie. It was really a cool moment. And Jake actually called me the very first night I was out with um, with Willie and was like, dude, I've never got to play with Willie. Like you're doing something that I didn't get to do. So it was a, it was a pretty awesome moment. I was like, man, if I die right now, I'm, I'm all right. You know, like, <laughs> I've done it. You know. So, I imagine singing gospel songs on stage with Willie Nelson is exactly where you find God, sir, because that's about as good as it gets. I imagine he'll be at the pearly gates when I get there, singing yeah. redheaded strangers. I mean, I, <laughs> I you know hope what so. I, mean? <laughs> I hope so. You were talking about Hag a minute ago. I'm actually reading a book right now by a guy named Mark Elliott, and it's this humongous war and peace. Like it's it's Haggard's entire life. And what a fascinating life he lived on so many levels. I'm surprised the guy made it past 14 years old based on this book with the way that he lived. And, of course, we all know he went to San Quentin and saw Johnny Cash and the whole thing, right? What was it about Hag that, that first of all, inspired you, but, second, you still listen to him on such a regular rotation now? Uh, well, because he was for the working man. you know, and yes, that he was, was. That was his whole thing, and, and he had such a cool – history i mean yeah he'd been to prison he'd he'd lived a hard life but he had kind of overcome everything and got it turned around but he was for the working man a lot of his songs were directed at the blue collar working man and so i mean being a working man like that's what you want you want to hear those kind of songs and i love his voice and how he wrote songs and he was a good guitar player but like he could get after it and sing or he could hit these really cool low notes that I just loved. And it's kind of a, he's got his honky tonking music, you know, that's kind of, uh, could be holding you tonight. And then he kind of do that. Yeah. And then the next one's like, fight inside uh, of me, fight inside yeah. of me, you know, those kind of things. But then he could sing, well, I've been throwing horseshoes. Mm. It was kind of that, that groovy, he had like this mid-tempo kind of groove on a lot of the songs, and I do too. So it's just a, a big inspiration. I just liked it. It made me feel good, and I still still listen to it today and, and draw inspiration from it when I go to write songs. So I bring up a lot of times, I'm like, man, let's, let's kind of get that Merle Haggard feel. Let's listen to this Merle Haggard and get, get in the mood, you know, and we'll write those kind of songs. But I still As love I've it. As I've read this book, it's interesting. I have enough friends who are songwriters that I know in a little. I know a little bit about how y'all's brains work. You guys are always waiting to hear a title. Always, every conversation you have. For all I know, you've written down three of them since we've been doing this conversation. <laughs> yeah. In that book, in the text of that book, there are so many lines by the author Mark Elliott in relating to us how Merle lived his life and with whom he lived it. I mean, it's title after title after title after title. So I, I recommend to you, sir, to maybe get that book and read it because it's crazy how many there are. Um, as you look forward, I mean, you, you, have, you have done such an amazing job, but you've had a rocket ship strapped to your ass here for about the last 18 months or so. There's a song title. Yeah, <laughs> rocket, rocket ship strapped to my ass by Larry Fleet. Uh, yeah. What do you hope for? Like, what do you hope will happen as you move forward here? Well, I mean, it is, I guess my path is, it's always evolving and changing, but whenever I, I first 
got a record deal and I was getting into it, my management, it always come back to this story because my management said, where do you want to be? Where do you, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, I want to play theaters. That's where I want to be, you know, for a couple thousand people. And uh, they were like, theaters? Like, you don't want to play stadiums and arenas? And I said, I said, well, that sounds fun. I said, but, and if I get there, cool. But I, I like theater levels because people come and they listen to, the, you know, they sit. That, that's the kind of show I like. You come, you sit, and you watch a show, and you, you're, you're quiet, and you can listen to the stories. And that's kind of my music. I tell stories. And and so that's where I wanted to get. And they just they thought it was crazy that, you know, that's I was thinking small. And I said, well, I don't think I'm thinking small. You can make a living doing that, and I get to make a living doing what I want. Then I go out with Morgan, and I remember calling him the very first night. Of, our first show was Madison Square Garden. And so for 20,000 people or so, and I was like, well, this is pretty cool. Okay, I can see myself doing these arenas. <laughs> uh, and I guess it's always changing. I, I like playing and meeting people and playing to as many people as I can. But, I mean, I don't see – I don't know where I'm going to go. I'm honestly alone for the ride. I mean – uh, God's kind of taken me into a lot of real cool things. I mean, I got to play Madison Square Garden, you know. So I got been on the road with Willie. Amazing. I got to play Madison Square Garden. I mean, I'm just at this point along for the ride wherever Good Lord decides to take me. I'm I'm there for it. So having having seen firsthand side stage what Morgan Wallen is doing. Uh, my wife and I just went and saw him and Eric Church play at the football stadium in Minneapolis a couple Saturdays ago here. How do you define what he's doing? Uh, well, I, I remember the first night. Well, I'll go back a little. I was sitting in my, I got a camouflage recliner sitting over there in the corner. And uh, I was kicked back, I, I think, with my little girl in the last year. And we were watching Swamp People, because that's what we like to do. And uh, <laughs> my phone rings, and it's Morgan. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah. so I pick it up and I said, hey, what's up? He said, man, I got this tour. And I want you to go on it with me next year. I said, all right, that sounds good. And uh, he's like, it's going to be pretty cool. I think we're going to do some marinas. And I was like, all right, sounds good. And I probably didn't act too excited, but I didn't really. I, mean, I was excited. I just, I'm pretty calm. And uh, so I was like, all right. I had no idea that Morgan was quite as big as he is. And so the very first night we go out and people were just like, girls are falling out like I, I felt like it was the Beatles walking up in there or something and <laughs> it was like what in the world's happening and I told him after the first show I said dude I said man you've hit it big I said I, I had no idea that it was even like this you know because I listen to Merle Haggard you know like I don't I don't even know what's going on in the world today you know and uh I said I'm, I'm proud of you man because we used to play things and nobody cared about either one of us you know a few years back and I said you blew up and He's just, what he's doing is, he's he's drew all kinds of people, but he can play country music, and he can play pop, he can sing a rap song. He can literally do anything he wants to do, and people love it. I mean, I always joke, and I say, you can go fart in the microphone, and go number one in, in a day. And uh, <laughs> he, he's like, well, you know. Well, well, I we might try that, people. actually, now that you mention <laughs> yeah, it. This I mean, hilarious. Next single, Fart and Microphone. But I, I said, I, I don't know. It, it's it's crazy. He's like an anomaly that it just 
blew up and everything he touches turns to gold. And, and like I said, I'm proud of him. He's he's become he's become a good dude and a good friend of mine. And uh, I love it. I mean, I like his music. I think he's great. So I don't oh, even I know do what too. he's. I, I don't even know how to describe that, him. He's just an anomaly. Yeah. You know? That record is a phenomenon. It is, it is a genuine phenomenon. Being the number one record in the world across all genres uh, is it's just remarkable. And I can't wait to text him when we're done and say, I have the quote of the millennium from your boy brother, Larry Fleet. <laughs> we need to put that on a T-shirt somewhere. Yeah. We just, we just played again. We played together this weekend uh, in a big festival, and they set a record. Again, everywhere we go, we set records. That's a, yep. that's a, like a trend with him. We went to Ohio and played this thing, and it was 28,000 people or something like that. Just, just like in a field. We were in a field. And uh, – it was nuts, and we had a good time. We'd go out and we sing. He wants to sing "Where I Find God," so a lot of times at, our, at his shows, he'll bring me out and we'll we'll sing that, and we do harmonies, and he sings a, a verse, and it's just a really cool thing. And uh, we've, like I said, we've, we've gotten to be pretty close, and he's a good he's a good dude. I really like him a lot. Oh, he's a phenomenal like phenomenal dude. Mm -hmm. uh, just a sweetheart. I love the guy. Oh yeah. All right, guys, if you'll indulge me just a moment, I want to share with you about a couple of companies that I have the great blessing of representing every single day, Academy Sports and Outdoors and Pit Boss Grills. Let's start with Academy. Academy Sports and Outdoors has every single item you could ever want to succeed in any sport you desire to play. Baseball gloves, they have batting gloves, a vast array of bats from which to choose. Protective cups, very important. They have basketballs, they have footballs, they have football helmets. The footwear selection is outrageous. Sneakers, cleats, work boots, hunting boots, hanging out boots, Crocs, flip-flops. And if you want apparel, they have every major national brand from Nike, Adidas, Under Armour at the absolute best price. And then there's Magellan Outdoors and Freely. Let's talk Magellan Outdoors first. That is Academy's in-store outdoors apparel arm. And I love it. If you've seen any of the Traditions episodes that we've done, that's what I'm wearing. It is quality stuff at the best price. Same goes for Freely. That's Academy's women's workout attire line. Laney loves it. And not just in the gym, but also running around, going to the grocery store, running errands, whatever that is. That stuff's flying off the shelves. It is extremely popular. Again, it's called Freely. It is Academy's ladies' workout line and that stuff is so popular, uh, I'm telling you, they love it in my house. If you love to hunt and fish, Academy's your place. They have everything you need to be your best, whether you're in a deer stand or whether you're on a riverbank trying to rip some lips. Academy Sports and Outdoors has everything you could ever want. I mean, I walk in there, and I'm, I'm just blown away by the selection. Every time I walk out of there, I got a new pocket knife. It's a problem. Or a new pair of shades. They got all kinds of different sunglasses, too. Costa Del Mar, Ray-Ban, you name it. Uh, all right, let's switch gears over here to Pit Boss Grills quickly. Another company that I'm so honored to represent. I love my grill, and I appreciate so much that the folks at Pit Boss love me. Look, every time I post about my grill on social media, y'all go crazy. It, it blows my mind. If I post that I'm grilling or considering what I might grill that night, the response and the interaction is unparalleled. So thank you guys for engaging in that. You can go to Lowe's, you can go to Walmart, you can go to Academy Sports and Outdoors and get a Pit Boss Grill 
right now. They are the best pellet smokers on the planet Earth. I love mine. All five of them. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen. Go to Academy. Go get you a Pit Boss Grill. So grateful and honored to represent both of those companies every single day. Now, back to the Marty Smith podcast here at Outsider. Who's the best character on Swamp People? Ah, uh, well, there's a couple of them, but uh, there's a dude named Willie and his dad. I'm trying to think of his dad's name right this minute, but he always would, like, shoot a gator and, like, pieces of the gator would, would come up and, and hit his boy in the face, you know, and he goes, oh, and, like, he's like, oh, I always hate when I shoot my boy. And, uh, and I'm like, <laughs> I have something to say, but um, Troy Landry, he's, I think he's kind of the king of the swamp, you know. Shoot him, Elizabeth. And, like, I just, I just like him. He's just a cool dude, and uh, he's been doing it for a long time. I feel like he's he's mastered the art of hunting gators. But he's my favorite. Troy Landry, I think, is my favorite. Speaking of, speaking of your boy, uh, happy Father's Day. Yep. Thank you. And uh, I'm, I'm, I feel like I, I know the obvious answer, but why name your son Waylon? And if it's the reason I think it is, why was that the right choice? Well, knowing him now, and he's, he's about to be three here pretty soon, he is 100% Waylon. Like, he could not have any other name because he's, that's his attitude. It's his whole personality. But he um, – I, I didn't think my wife would go for it, to be honest with you. Uh, so we were like, what are we going to name our kid? You know, and I was like, Waylon. And she was like, I don't know. And then she come back, and she's like, it's a pretty cool name. I said, it's it's the coolest. So, uh, it is the coolest she went with it, but yeah, I mean, I, I've loved Waylon for forever, and uh, listened to his music stuff, and I don't know, I just thought it was a cool name, and like I said, knowing him now, knowing my boy, and looking at him, and how he acts, and <clears throat> just his personality, he if you called him, you know, Ricky, he would not be, it wouldn't make any sense, he's, he's 100% Waylon, you know, so. Waylon is, to me, the GOAT. Uh, being a country music guy my whole life and somebody who studies it and cares so deeply about it, I think Waylon's a goat. I love Willie. I love Cash. You mentioned Merle. It seems to me like you're kind of an anti-establishment type of fan, too, because none of those guys gave two dams about what Nashville was doing back in the day, and that's how the whole outlaw movement happened, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 I, I, Waylon's catalog to me, I don't. It's going to be amazing 50 years from now, and 100 years from now, and 200 years from now. And as somebody now who kind of lives that cycle, how difficult is it, and how impressive is it for somebody to have copyrights like that that are just forever? Well, uh, that that should be your goal when you're writing songs and music. But one one of the things about Waylon was, to me, he. Uh, he could sing a love song and you knew it was from, you know, he was a man. It was a man singing a song. And I was like, man, Waylon was like, he was the picture of a real man, you know, yeah, he's like the man's cool. man, you know? I agree. And so he would sing these songs the way he sang it. It just had, he still had balls, you know what I mean? And uh, that was, I was like, man, that, that's what I want to do. And, yeah, he's. I still sing Waylon songs sometimes. That you know, some of my sets. I'm like, let's play that old, you know, Waylon song. You can go to any bar in Nashville and somebody's singing a Waylon Jennings song, and there's a reason because they're good, they're honest, and they're simple, 
because you don't need to be so elaborate all the time with, you know, thinking over everybody's head, you know, just say what you got to say. And that's what them boys did. They, Willie was a, a really good songwriter. He, he learned how to twist some things around, but he was a great storyteller. But then a lot of, a lot of the best music is just the simple stuff. Just be simple. Say what you got to say. And that's what they did good. And that's what I try to do too. Just don't overthink it and try to, come up with some cliche line just say what you gotta say well you're doing an amazing job brother you have inspired all of us on this program and i promise i'll stop sending you text messages about how amazing i think you are but it's a it's a you have a generational talent and there are so many guys coming along now in today's country music who are getting a chance because they're undeniable talents yourself luke combs that type of guy and i'm grateful for your work i love your spirit thank you so much for taking so much time with us continued success and happy father's day brother uh i can't wait to get out on the road and see you here real soon yeah thank you for putting out uh having a girl <laughs> oh yeah by the you way like that? that was great man we all got girls on this show loved it every one of us appreciate girl it dads. well travis is Travis is not a girl dad. Thank God <laughs> Almighty, Travis is not a girl dad. The only thing on his mind right now, Larry, is at 10 o'clock Eastern time, Ohio State season tickets go on state oh. sale, and Travis is the world's most passionate Buckeye, so that's all he cares about well, right now. I get Wes, how's your contact lens? I, I think it's somewhere in my brain. I don't know. It's still I, gone? Uh, you have not I don't rectified s- it? I, I don't see it anywhere on my desk, um, and I can't see out of my eye. So it's probably just somewhere up up in my skull. So we'll figure it out. That's why but, I don't uh, contacts, man. Well, I've been wanting to do LASIK. My mom got LASIK though, and it like it like reverted. So I'm like, I'm not gonna put lasers in my eyes if it's just gonna disappear. What's the point of that? I don't think you're putting. Lasers I have some in buddies who uh, that happened with their vasectomy. They just they time it up. They sit on the peas and and also have all the gauze no, well, on their eyes. They had the surgery, but then they had a kid. So like, it's I mean, you talk about being shocked. That would be the ultimate shock if that ever happened to me. I don't know what the hell I'd do. Yeah, that's not a good uh, Yelp review for the old vasectomy doc. <laughs> it is not. You know Antonio Cromartie. The football player? Um, I don't. I don't know Antonio. No. I've heard of him. He he had. I know like who he is, of course. Vas- I don't know him though. He had multiple vasectomies and he's had kids, <laughs> like See? after them. Like. Oh, uh, do you want an update? You guys. Yeah, an update. update Where are you with the ticket? Did you get your ticket? Uh, I'm now in the queue. It says 2,000 people ahead of me. I literally got on at 10 o'clock. Okay, so, two thousand people ahead of you. I mean, what's 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 Notre Dame Stadium? No, this is at a. What's, is, what does uh is that is that in Columbus? Yeah, this is Columbus. Is it in Columbus, Travis? Yeah, game day is going to be there. Everybody's okay. going to be there. What does so, the shoe hold? Like ninety thousand? I think no, it's like hundred and yeah, we're like hundred three. Y'all are hundred plus. Okay. Yeah. You, I mean, two, that math works out pretty well for you, as far as I can tell. I think I, I think, think the dogs are going up there in a few years, are they not? Well, we had a we were supposed to have a home. Do we and home have a home and home? I, I think so. 
they, they, that's one of my pet peeves with the culture. Well, they schedule these games out way too far in advance. Don't tell me who we're playing in 2042. But back to your regular um, scheduled programming. That's fine. Well, who Georgia was supposed to play in 2042 will change here shortly when Texas and Oklahoma join the Southeastern Conference and the entire schedule gets blown up and turned yeah, around. Yeah, Texas and Oklahoma were supposed to be home and away in the conference games. So, they'll change that up. Marty, the uh, coffee shop's filling up pretty quick behind you, man. Well, there's a, a lot, large crew there coming a lot from maybe like a. There's a lot more people in it before while uh, we were doing our interview with Larry, but it got louder. And I'm telling you, like, when they're scraping these chairs across the daggum floor, as loud as I have my earphones so that I can hear you two knuckleheads, it is like landing an F 16. Oh, I can uh, hear him. Yeah, it's I'm like, like right on Asbury Avenue right here. It is cray cray. All right, we got a big week coming up, boys. We're uh, we're gonna be in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City on Thursday at five o'clock local time, doing a live show. All three of us will be there. We'll have some guests. We uh, we're gonna have some NASCAR drivers out there. Um, I'm still trying to see if Chase Elliott will come join us. Chase is a busy man, but. I very much hope that he can make it out there, not only because he's the most popular driver in NASCAR, but also because he loves him some country music. And we could talk music with him. He had his 21st birthday in Nashville. Uh, I vaguely remember it. And uh, I'd love to get him out there. But we'll have a blast. Please come out. It's at Winners and Losers in the parking lot there. And then there's going to be the Whiskey Jam live concert afterwards. Go to all the handles for outsider it's at outsider on twitter at outsider ig on instagram we've all posted uh the lineup of musicians on those those handles wes and i have both done it as well on ours i'll make sure to continue to do that this week on my instagram story so y'all come out and hang out with us uh it'd be a good time travis you were working on getting me a fire suit were you not yeah i'm efforting it it was I've talked to a couple of people and that started with, uh, I got an odd question, but you know, we're going to go for it. Uh, any chance you could get me a fire suit for West to wear? I figured at the master's life podcast, you dressed up as tiger woods. I feel like it's only fitting mm-hmm. that we get you a fire suit. So we're efforting it. Uh, I think we got a good shot. The, the folks, the different people that I've reached out to, uh, either at the track or within NASCAR have been super helpful with everything. So I think we've, we've got a good shot. Um, and for your, Luckily for you, the podcast, the live podcast is going to be inside where there's AC because if we were outside on the rooftop or uh, the you know, parking lot, you would it's going to be a hot one. So you're lucky that if we get this, it's going to be inside. So we'll be inside of the bar. Is that right? Yeah, we're going to be you're going to be inside winners. Winners and losers is right next to each other. You literally the entrance is the same. You either go right or left. We're going right. to do the live Inside podcast. winners. Yeah. I, I could have used that fire suit a few days ago, uh, guys, because I was starting our uh, fire pit, and there was a – it had like a propane line to just kind of get it started and um, almost blew myself up. What if happened? you can't tell, my, my nose is a little burnt. Is that, why, is that I, where uh, the lip fur went? Did you burnt – did you scorch I have no, the lip fur? I have no hair on my arm. Look at that. I look like a Olympic swimmer right now. Giving yourself um, a lot of credit, Wesley. I felt like how Marty feels when he t- 
turns on an incandescent light bulb, uh, just the amount of heat on my skin. It was, it was intense. Um, but I made it, and uh, did I didn't like, have to stop. Did it like blow up anything. in your face? What happened? It did. It was like a fireball, and it was kind of scary. But, um, but yeah. So in case that happens in Nashville, gonna need that fire suit, Travis. So you have a propane Sorry, fire pit. Well, I was at my in-laws, and and they have one, and it just the line just kind of starts the spark, so you can just get the logs going a little bit quicker. It's kind of a shortcut, but uh, it was Father's Day, and we just gotten the little one down, and we didn't have a whole lot of time, so I just tried to start it up really quick, and uh, yeah, turned into the Human Torch. Well, I'm sorry. I'm glad you made it out the other side. Um, the first I thing I thought about was my, my family, and the second thing I thought about was this show. I was like, I, I don't know what what they're going to do if I can't show up to record on Tuesday. So I'm glad to see you guys again. We wouldn't made it. Look how pale I look on this light. It's kind of scary. I look ghostly. Maybe I always look ghostly. I'm the boys, we got, we got good news. Um, we got good news. You're we in? Tickets. We got, yep. Congratulations to Travis Buckeye has Travis. the golden ticket. How much did you just pay for? Uh, one fifty each. That's a steal. That is a steal, dude. By the time by the time September third rolls around or whenever the game is, those you things will be sell worth those. Well, no, someone piece. beat me to those seats. Got to go for two more different ones. Oh my gosh! Go for two. Oh right, Lord, Travis is gonna have an aneurysm. Wes, let's just keep talking for a few minutes so that he can do, you know, like so he can be focused on what matters in his life. Because obviously, oh my God, our is success is not. Oh my God, part of guys, that. Travis is going to yeah, miss out on these. This tickets. is called the Travis Rockhold Show. I forgot. His heart rate just went to three thousand right now. He is terrified. He's going to miss out on these tickets. Wes, what is the most memorable game you've ever seen at Sanford Stadium? Um, the most memorable one was. It really wasn't like a, a top-ranked game, but um, it was when Stafford led the team down the field to beat Georgia Tech in 2006. Uh, and it's so memorable because I could hear the Larry Munson call. Someone beside me had the like the radio going, and I could hear Munson calling it, and he throws the pass to Muhammad Massaqua, for the touchdown and then throws it for the two-point conversion. And it's kind of an underrated Larry Munson call. And he just goes, Mashaqua! And that's, describe, all he, that's all he says. Describe so, for those of us who are not Georgia boys and girls, like the, the Georgia Tech rivalry. Like, describe the, 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 the I mean, I, the disdain that you – Georgia folk have for the Yellow Jackets and why? Uh, I'd say these days it's more of pity than a rivalry. Um, there are a lot of Georgia fans who who want to get rid of the game because they want to make room for more competitive non-conference games on the schedule. Hmm. And where do you stand on that? Oh no, I'm I'm way too traditional for that. You got to keep, got to keep tech on the schedule. Why did you ask though? 
Uh, because I just think, you know, uh, the main reason that I ask is because, you know, it's been a long, long time. And I know that Georgia Tech just won the ACC, Coastal or Atlantic, whichever side of the world they're on, uh, in like, I don't know when it was, several years ago when Paul Johnson was still there. And I like Jeff Collins a lot. I think he's, I think he's trying really hard to resurrect what was – a once very proud program, but the facts are, I mean, it's not even a game at this point. And so I just wondered how you felt about it. Travis, where are you on the tickets? Uh, we're still working. If you guys want to end the podcast, we can. Dude, you look this has like you're from a very positive outcome so to a negative one. Oh, I'm the it's hard to tell like where the how good the tickets are and this is just you should just get two and then worry about getting good ones. Just get two tickets. Get two. And then you can sell those together. when you get there. Just I know, get your butt in the stadium. Them, though. I got to get two together. I, I got to get two together. I mean, he is – this is a this is ridiculous. I might just get up and get a cup of coffee. You guys, we can end at any point. I will say there's nothing better than watching your team beat Notre Dame. So I understand Travis's intensity here. I haven't been to a game in since 2019, guys. Well, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled that you're going to have the opportunity, we think, to go to this game. Um, we'll end there. Uh, we'll update you guys next week whether or not Travis actually got tickets. Come join us, please, at Winners and Losers. On Thursday, it's June 23rd, 5 o'clock p.m. Cutler is also doing a podcast, which I think is at 4 p.m., I want to say, yep, Travis. And if, and if people want to, if they get there early, like around like 3, they might be able to meet you. We're going to do a meet and greet at 3 o'clock or so. Uh, I'll be there having some cold beer, just hanging out, having a good time. I'd love to say hello to you guys. Bring your copies of Never Settle if you want to. I'll sign them. We can take pictures if you want to. Just have some good fellowship. Winners and losers, 3 o'clock is the meet and greet. 4 o'clock, Cutler's doing a show. 5 o'clock, Wesley and I are doing a show. And then the Whiskey Jam concert is after that. Please come join us. It's a huge collaboration with NASCAR. We've built an amazing relationship with them uh, at Outsider. Everybody's real thrilled by that. Certainly me. It's my roots, man. Thanks so much to our law enforcement officials keeping our community safe all over the country. Fire and rescue, thank you guys so much. Our first responders are just amazing. I don't know if you guys saw the story about the basketball player who did a 24-hour shift as a fireman in Toledo, Ohio, drove to New York City to play a the Basketball League playoff game and save the referee's life by administering CPR during the game for 10 minutes. Amazing. They are heroic every single day. We're grateful for you guys. Thank you so much. And the United States military, we are free, man. We have freedom. What a tremendous blessing. It's because of you guys sacrificing every single day that we have that blessing. Y'all have an amazing week. Come see us in Nashville. It is NASCAR week at Nashville Super Speedway. Can't wait to get there. See y'all next week. Travis, good luck. See ya.